My name is Brad, and I'm the lead pastor here at Hillside Church, and I want to thank you for listening to one of our messages from Hillside Church. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking today. So if it's me speaking or if it's someone else, we pray that the message you are about to hear would allow you to know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power. Enjoy the message. If you want to follow along in your Bibles today, um, you can turn to Jeremiah chapter 18. Um, ultimately, that's where we're going to end up. We're not going to start there, but we're going to kind of cruise through a few different places, but we're going to settle into Jeremiah chapter 18 at the end. And if there's something to take away from today's message, it will be what's found in the opening verses of Jeremiah chapter 18. So you can head there now if you like. This week we're beginning a new, a new sermon series. I'm not entirely sure how long it's going to be, a few weeks at least. Um, I haven't completely mapped it all out in my head just yet. But what we're going to explore over the next couple of weeks um, is, is for us to uh, unpack a thought, a concept, a, a word, an understanding of, of something that is really impactful and important for us to be able to understand, for us to be able to, to take and, and internalize in our lives, but, but a concept that I think is actually something that we miss out on a lot because we, under, we know the word, we understand the word, but we don't always understand what is meant by the word. I'm a person who likes to be in control. Um, whatever situation I'm in, I like to feel as best as I can at what's happening around me to, to be able to, to control as much of it as I can so that I can feel steady and feel safe. And when I can't control it, I like to at least be as informed as I possibly can. So if I can't control what's taking place around me, if, if, I if I don't have any control, what I at least like to have is the opportunity to know as much about what's taking place as I possibly can. I remember back in high school, um, I used to get in trouble for looking at the clock too much. Um, my my teacher, teachers would get frustrated with me because I'd be checking the clock multiple, multiple, multiple times throughout the day. Problem was the clock was at the back of the church so the teacher could see it, but it didn't make it convenient for me to look. So, so countless times throughout the day I'd be turning around and check and see how much time is left in the, in the day and in the class. It wasn't even necessarily that I wanted it to be over, it was just I needed to know. I needed to know what was going on. I needed to have a sense of control. And so much of school I couldn't control, but I could control if I knew how much time was left. And so I would get in trouble. The teacher, Brad, stop looking at the clock. Today, that extends to the weather. Um, I also, I want to know what the weather apps on my phone are telling me. I check them a lot. Especially this time of year. It's a little different in the depths of winter. Um, when the low is minus 45 and the high is minus 40, you kind of know what you're going to get. But this time of year, and even in the winter, you know, I, I check the weather apps a lot because I want to know what's going on. Is it, rain? is it going to rain? When is it going to rain? Is it still going to rain? And, and one of the major issues, though, for me that's arisen with the rise of apps and weather apps and the technology that we have is that they can update them all the time. Like, all the time. When I was a kid, you, and you watched David Spence or whoever give the weather on the news, on the TV, or you read it in the newspaper, they had one shot to get it right. 
They, they, at 6 o'clock, they told you what the weather was going to be like the next day. And so they were either right or they were wrong. You read it in the newspaper that morning. Oh, it's going to be a high of this. And they were either right or they were wrong. Now, they have the technology to update the weather app so often that you can check it and it will say, it's going to rain today at 2 p.m. And then at 2 p.m., you look outside and it's sunny and warm. So you check the app again, and the app's like, I don't think I said anything about rain. Did, did you say anything? I didn't say. I think you must be misremembering. There, there's no rain in the forecast. Trust us. And so it leads me to sometimes having a real trust issue with the weather apps on my phone. Because what I'm seeing and what I'm feeling in my life, the temperature, does not reflect what I'm experiencing in the world around me. When I'm in a jacket and a toque because the weather app said it was going to be 4 degrees, but then I'm sweating and dying because it's actually 17. And I think for many of us, for a whole host of reasons, the same phenomenon is happening in our lives that happens when we check our weather apps too often. That we, we discover that the things that God promised us about our lives we're not experiencing them in the world around us. That we know what God said, but it's not our reality. I check the weather app and it says it's supposed to be nice, and I go outside and it's snowing. I read my Bible and Jesus says, this is what I have for you. But it's not what I'm experiencing. It's not what I'm feeling. John 14, 27. This is actually going to be um, the anchor verse for everything we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. But in this verse, Jesus makes a promise to us. He says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This sounds great. Jesus is going to give you, Jesus is going to give me, he's going to give us peace. He says, I've got a gift for you, I'm going to give you peace. And, and the peace of Jesus is going to keep us from being troubled and afraid. That's what I want. That's what I need in my life. And Jesus says, I'm just going to give it to you. But like the weather app on my phone, and the weather that exists outside... Sometimes what I'm given as the truth doesn't always bear itself out in my life. What I see in my thoughts and my experiences don't really show or reflect the idea of peace that Jesus was promised to give or promising he was going to give. But what I think we need to do to understand this idea of peace what Jesus is offering, what Jesus is promising us when he says that he's going to give us peace, in order for us to really understand it, we need to deconstruct what the word peace means. We need to deconstruct what Jesus meant by the word peace. Because in this verse, Jesus says, I'm going to give you peace, but I don't give it to you as the world gives. Now, we have the word peace in our vocabulary. We, we have an understanding of, of when, G, when we hear Jesus say, I'm going to give you peace, we have an understanding of what that word means. 
But I think what we need to understand and what we're going to explore over the next couple of weeks is that when Jesus uses the word peace, although we know the word peace, Jesus means that he's going, the word peace means something different. And in this verse, I think we see two differences. We see when Jesus says, I'm going to give you peace, but not as the world gives. I think he gives it in a way that the world doesn't give it. And what he gives us is not the same thing as what the world understands. The word peace that Jesus uses, the concept, the idea of biblical Jesus-given peace is very, very, very different than what we think of when we think about the word peace. I, I want to talk to you over the next few weeks about courageous peace and how we can live inside the peace of God that Jesus gives us. Help us to understand when Jesus said, I'm going to give you peace, what he means. I'm going to give you peace, what that means for our lives. And, and perhaps as importantly, what that doesn't mean for our lives. I'm going to give you peace. So what does it mean to have peace? What does it mean to have peace when, when we look at our lives... And we don't see what we would understand as peace. We don't see what we would understand, what the promise of peace should look like. In Luke chapter 8, there's this, there's a, this story that takes place where Jesus heals a woman. Well, sort of. Rather, there's a woman who, who pushes through a crowd of people, a woman who's in the middle of chaos, push, pushes through a crowd of people and simply touches Jesus' clothing... And in a moment, in a flash, she's healed. And after they have a brief exchange talking about what happens, Jesus responds to her by saying, go in peace. Now in Jewish culture, to say go in peace, it was like a common farewell. It was a common way to, to sort of bid someone adieu or, or whatever. It's like us saying, see you later. Nice to see you, see you later. Have a good day. Those, those kinds of platitudes. But that's not what Jesus meant for her. When he said to her, go in peace, it wasn't just, hey, see you later, thanks for coming. For this woman, it was a commission for peace to be now her testimony in life. Jesus didn't want to just heal her body. He wanted more for her than that. He wanted, or he had a gift for her. And out of her pain and out of her sickness, Jesus had something else for her. A gift. The gift of peace. And so today I think that God wants to begin this process of giving us, giving you, the gift of peace. But I think for us to really understand what this is going to look like in our lives, we need to understand and we need to start at the place where the woman in Luke chapter 8 starts. She just starts out the story. She just begins her story. Her story begins in the messiness of her life. Her story begins with just, we are dropped into the middle of her story, and it's chaos. It's a mess. It says, as Jesus was on his way, crowds almost crushed him. There's so many people trying to talk to Jesus. There's so many people trying to be seen with Jesus. There's so many people trying to be a part of the story of Jesus that there's people everywhere. It's chaos. There's crowds. There's so many people that Jesus is being so pressed in that he's being crushed 
by the people around him. And a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. In the middle of this chaos, in the middle of, of this craziness, there's a woman who's experiencing a different kind of craziness. It's she's experiencing the chaos of the world around her, but then there's also chaos going on inside of her. She's got a medical condition that no one can figure out what to do with. So she, she's living in chaos and she's experiencing chaos. Her life was happening and she hadn't been able to find any kind of peace. She was willing to embrace the craziness of the situation in order to try and find some peace for herself. Now, I don't know what your life issues are. Obviously, in this season, I'm not even sure who I'm speaking to right now. Uh, there's a handful of people here, but I don't know who's, who's watching. But there's an analogy in Scripture that I think works for us in our lives that will wrap us all up inside of it and kind of give us some perspective. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it will compare us to jars of clay. We'll say we're like common clay jars. Now, to think of yourself as a clay jar is probably not the nicest compliment you've ever received. The jar may be chipped, cracked, flawed, or even broken. And because of all of our imperfections, we struggle to find peace in our lives. Because it's hard to find peace when things are not right. Because that's what we think of when we think of peace. When we understand peace, peace means a state of tranquility or quiet. It means freedom from disturbance. Functionally, it means a place where things are just the way that they should be. That when all of the things that shouldn't be are out of the way, then we can have peace. But if something's not the way that it should be, if, 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 if we have noise, we can't have quiet. If we have noise, we can't have tranquility. But peace is when we have quiet, we have tranquility. We cannot have conflict and be disturbance-free. Functionally, what peace means is that everything is the way that it should be. But I'll be turning 40 this year. Now, for some, that means I'm ancient. And for some, that means I'm still a youngster. But something that I've learned in 40 years on this planet, and especially over the last 14 months, is that nothing is ever just always and in every way perfect. That as we go through life, we may have moments where things just seem right. But it doesn't last long. Life is just what life is sometimes. And what life is doesn't always create a nice pathway for peace in our lives. Once heard a story about a, a person who was looking at a basement suite. And the landlord was showing this person through, through the house, through the basement, through, through the rooms. And they went through all the rooms, one by one, talking about all the features and the benefits and all the good things about the house. And eventually they got to a bathroom. And the landlord opened the door. 
and an intensely awful smell. The kind of smell that makes your eyes water came pouring out of this bathroom. The, the landlord looked at the men, stressed, knowing he needed to explain what was going on. Turned and said, we had a dead possum in the air vent in the bathroom last week. The, the, man, the landlord said, matter-of-factly, sort of trying to justify what, what's going on. Oh, wow, how did, how did you get it out, the man asked. The, the landlord turned and said, oh, I don't know how to get it out. It's just there. For so many of us, we can have these kind of areas in our lives. And this is what we, and, and this is what we need Jesus to do about something in our lives. But then at the same time, we've come to just live with it. We, we know we need Jesus to do something, but, but it's just part of who I am. Worry. I don't know how to get rid of it. It's just there. Doubt. I don't know how to, how to get rid of it. It's just there. Fear. I don't know how to get rid of it. It's, it's just there. Negativity. I don't know how to get rid of it. It's just there. Darkness. I don't know how to get rid of it. It's just there. Judgmentalism. I don't know how to get rid of it. It's just there. Insecurity. I don't know how to get rid of it. It's just there. Sadness. I don't know how to get rid of it. It's just there. Anger, I don't know how to get rid of it, it's just there. Comparison, I don't know how to get rid of it, it's just there. Addiction, I don't know how to get rid of it, it's just there. And because of these things, we're not able to have peace in our lives. Because it's not right. It's not the way it should be. I can't have peace until these things are gone. But we're not called to settle in defeat. We're not called to live life from a place of it just is what it is. There's nothing that can be done. This is what the peace of Jesus, that Jesus offers is all about. This is how it's different. It's not a fragile, weak peace that's subject to the weight of everything else crushing it down. You see, our understanding of peace exists underneath everything else. Because anything can take away our peace. Our peace is only there whenever there's nothing to take it away. But that's not the kind of peace God offers. God doesn't offer us a peace that's subject to how much noise our kids are making. God doesn't offer us peace that's subject to, to how much noise our neighbors make. God doesn't offer us peace that's subject to how work is going. God doesn't offer us peace that's subject to, I'm, I'm fearful for my job. It doesn't offer us peace that's subject to, to my fear and my worries. God doesn't offer us a fragile, temporal peace. The peace that Jesus offers insulates me from what's happening. It doesn't get crushed by what's happening. It protects me from what's happening. It allows me to have peace when all those things are happening, not lose peace because they are. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we have a story about the king of Judah. His name is Jehoshaphat. And he's in the middle of a very chaotic, difficult situation that's taking place around him. He is surrounded in battle by armies. 
But we're not talking about the armies of Judah here. It's not that the king of Judah and his armies are surrounded by armies. It's the people of Judah. Scripture will tell us that, that men were there and women were there and children were there. It's not that his army is facing a defeat. It's that his people are facing death. In the, and in the middle of this incredibly challenging and heavy moment where it's not just that defeat seems certain, it's that defeat means death. The people of Judah are going to die. They're surrounded by armies who are going to kill them. And in the middle of this moment, Jehoshaphat stands up and he leads the people of Judah in prayer. And in verse 12, he prays this to God. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. This is the peace of God. We, we don't know. We cannot defeat this army. All of the stuff that's pressing in, we shouldn't have peace right now. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on God. Our eyes are on our source of peace. This may be the situation you find yourself in right now. Where you don't know what to do or how to do it. You don't know how to find peace with everything that's happening in your world right now. You don't know what to do. But you can fix your eyes on Jesus. I don't know what to do, God. But my eyes are on you. I can't find hope. I can't find joy. I cannot find peace in this situation. But my eyes are on you. And I don't have to find them. In a world that normalizes defeat, we can stand with the assurance that we can be courageous when we choose to fix our eyes on Jesus. We may be broken, chipped jars of clay with so much to pull us away from peace. But God knows how to work with that. God knows how to handle us. From Moses' struggle with insecurity, to Sarah's struggle with doubt, to Jonah's struggle with stubbornness, to the woman in Luke 8 whose physical health had left her without any peace, the list could go on. We see that God doesn't shy away from our brokenness. But that he knows how to use broken people. And that he knows how to restore broken people. There's an old Japanese tradition called kitsuji. Kitsuji is the Japanese art of taking broken pottery and putting it back together. But they put it back together with gold and all of the cracks to hold it together. It's built on the idea that embracing flaws and imperfections in embracing flaws and imperfections, you can create an even stronger, more beautiful piece of art. But it's not just a Japanese thing. It's something that God has been doing with us as long as there's been people. As the potter, he takes us in all our brokenness and puts us back together again to create something even more beautiful than before. 
this is where we turn to Jeremiah chapter 18. This is the word, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house. There I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. It wasn't right. It wasn't what it was supposed to be. It wasn't all together. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. This is the word of the Lord for Jeremiah, and it's the word of the Lord for us today. He said, Can I not do with you as this potter does? Declares the Lord, like clay in my hands of the potter, so are you in my hands. He is healing our broken pieces. The pot is marred, but the hands of the potter restore it back to what it should be. In Luke chapter 8, the woman enters into a world of chaos and leaves with the gift of peace from Jesus. You might be hearing this today, and you've wrestled with finding true peace in a world full of chaos. Whether from your restless mind or from living in a restless world. It could be the chaos of media headlines, social media, friends, family, school, work. But my hope is that for us, as we walk down this path of discovering Jesus' gift of peace, is that you would have a renewed and a refreshed understanding of the true peace that only Jesus offers. The woman in Luke 8 didn't have peace because she was healed. She didn't receive peace because her situation changed. She received peace because it was given as a gift. But more than that, she was given the gift of the presence of Jesus in her life. Jesus' way to bring us peace, to give us peace, for us to have peace in our world, isn't through a strategy. It's not through five steps to a more peaceful you. It's not through the power of positive thought. It's not through the power of positive energy. It's only through a person. Through the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. I want to close with the verse that we started with, but I'm going to read it in a different translation. I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hands or in your heads. Instead, be courageous. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in a world full of chaos. Your, your sons and daughters, your children, we know that we live in a world that is just full of complete and utter chaos. Where, where we are, are not able to find peace, we're not able to manufacture peace for ourselves, we're not able to live in a place of peace. But God, your promise to us is that you would give us peace. 
And so God, as we look at our lives and maybe we look at the lack of peace, we look at the lack of what we, what we know to be true about what you've said about us in our situation and what we know to be true about our situation. And God, we come to you today and we invite you to give us this peace. We invite you to step into our story and have us not look for peace as the world offers, that we wouldn't look to find the promises of God in the world, that we wouldn't look to find the fulfillment of your promise for peace in the peace that the world offers. But God, that we, even when we don't know what to do, would turn and fix our eyes on you. And God, I pray that as we turn and fix our eyes on you, that it wouldn't matter what's going on around us. It wouldn't matter the stories and it wouldn't matter the things. It wouldn't matter the pressures and the difficulties, the fears and the worries, the things that make us so angry, the things that we've lost, the things that we can't do. God, that all of those things that would seek to push in and crush us just like you were being crushed by that crowd, the crowd of things that would seek to rob us of our peace. God, that your, your peace would set up a shield around us would set up a space around us that would keep all of those things that look to crush us, that it would keep us out, or keep them out. And that we would just be able to live with our eyes fixed on you. That in a world full of chaos, we wouldn't be brought down by the chaos, but that because of a peace that lives within us, a courageous peace that lives within us, we wouldn't be brought down, but that we would rise above God, we thank you so much for your work in our lives. We love you, and we're grateful for all that you do in us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. The weight of the world is getting heavy and now feels like it's far too much. Thanks for listening to this message from Hillside Church. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Hillside Church, there are a couple places you can go. Hillsideairdrie.ca is our website, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hillside Airdrie. You can also look us up on YouTube and find all of our messages on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to connect to the pastoral team at Hillside, you can do that through our website, hillsideairdrie.ca, and click on About Us in the main menu, and then click on Our Pastors. We're so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Hillside Church, we are a family, not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. As family we go. So keep on going, so keep on hoping. What if the miracle's a moment away? What if the morning's just about to break and all the you thought that you lost was there inside of you all along Come on and keep on hoping when the days get dark Keep on singing, don't you ever lose heart Lift your eyes, the one who gave you life Will give you strength to keep on going So keep on hoping Come on and keep on hoping You gotta keep on hoping
every breath you breathe Lift your eyes, you're gonna be alright Just keep going and keep on hoping You gotta keep on Just keep on hoping Keep on hoping